You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. I'm Andre Prue from underwinereview.ca, and I can't believe we're about to do this. And I'm Michael Pincus from MichaelPincusWineReview.com. Before we I get into it, can believe we're going to do this. Before we get into it, October 21st, something very special is happening. <laughs> Would you? Care? Oh, oh, that's I, your my cue. Turn, to, it's my cue to do it. Two guys talking live. Hi. That's right. We're going to be at Henry of Pelham. We're going to be talking to all three Speck brothers. Paul, Matthew, and Daniel. They're going to be on the stage with us. And we're going to talk about Baco Noir with them, whether they like it or not. And everything else that <laughs> Henry of Pelham has done. I mean, the, the real core of this is, is this is a recording for our, like, our very popular legacy series. If you haven't listened to it, if you go to SoundCloud.com, search for Two Guys Talking Wine... We have all the episodes arranged neatly in a playlist for you to listen to, and this is going to be part of that, and you can be a part of it too. Correct. You're going to be able to ask your own questions. There's going to be a wine tasting involved, uh, and it's going to be at Henry Pelham October 21st. Uh, It'll be right after like most people's tomatoes have gone bad, so if you feel like bringing some fruit to throw at Michael, you can certainly feel free to do that. Wow, you have to go there. What? I just want to let people know the options available for the interactive part of recording this podcast. Well, it's going to be a great time because there is a wine tasting that's going to happen. Yes. You're going to be able to ask your questions to the Speck Brothers. We're going to ask questions of the Speck Brothers. Um, I really don't know. Anya, your your fiancé, is going to make some sort of dessert. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she so, is. So we'll have a little bit of food there. So oh, I think be... she's shaking her. She's giving. Why are you looking at me like that? He's the one who said it. There we go. And yet again, we don't get any kind of treat. HenryPelham.com for tickets. That is right. So and Michael, you you and I have actually had several discussions about the state of our scoring off the air. Almost every two weeks, when we go to the vintages tasting panel, we we talk about our scores, and it's it's actually one of the reasons that I enjoy. Tasting wines with you because when when you're writing on your own and when I started scoring wine it was before we started doing this podcast and if anyone anyone who's known me that is listening to this podcast for a long time can remember I put the post out and I debated with myself for nearly a month whether to use points whether to use stars whether I even wanted to bother scoring but the fact of the matter is I cultivated a little bit of a following I say that without ego and I had people asking for scores for me so they could use it to. Uh, you know, posts in their wine shops, promote their wines because because when when push comes to shove, for most people they like being able to see oh this got a ninety one point oh this got four stars oh this got four and a half stars and, and I'll be honest as someone who con- consumes a lot of uh, media as someone who works in media when it comes to a movie or even if it's a, a, a CD or an album that I really like I like to see what what scores are but even reading a really nice well put together write up. I still look forward to just getting that little piece of information at the bottom, which is yeah. a simple score. You can look at a score at the top, at the bottom, somewhere that you can see. And and I I went to scoring five years, I think, before you did, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, doing it a little bit longer. And I also struggled with the, the score versus the star system. And the reason I did that was because I don't think wine is an essay. It's not no, something either. that you... It's, it's exactly... Or, or, a, or a, a test... Yeah. You know, you can't get 93 or 94 or whatever because it's not that finite. I'm telling you a wine is good, it's very good, it's exceptional, it's excellent. I can tell you there how long I think it's going to age for. But then I'm not saying this is 93 and two years down the road somebody goes, wow, this is just awful. 
Well, we, we, and you and I, and, and actually not just you, but a couple of other people, when, when we discuss the point system, I, I actually find that system broken because very rarely do you see any scores lower than even 88 published anywhere because you're sending a message. I recall when Gord Stimmel published a review in the Toronto Star for the Foreign Affair Conspiracy that was an 85, which was completely in- insane and good on Gord for standing by that review, but that was a wine that everybody else had scored quite high, but that was Gord sending a message about how he felt about that wine. I mean, I think I think Gord was not a big fan of the Apassimento method too, and that I, I believe, you know, uh, also but, but, but plays the, a part in it. But, but the point being, the point system really doesn't start at zero. No, and... and the, the point system starts basically at 80, even then I would argue and to say it starts at 85 and up, because you will very rarely see a review published below 88 points. Correct. Um, what made me think about this this topic was uh, when we were at Cuvée and we, we spoke with uh, Michael Vaughn and uh, Tony Aspler, uh, and I don't remember if they made that podcast... Uh, or not, or we no, unfortunately we had, to, had to cut the, that interview. Yeah, the, the, the audio quality was not great, but... But Michael Vaughn said that him and Tony had teamed up because they wanted to put some sanity back into scoring wine. And it got me to think, well, where are my scores from when I started to where I am now? And personally, I can tell you that my scores have gone down, not up. Uh, I score a lot more in the three and a half, three and a half plus range, and then four, four and a half. Now that's a that's getting to be a much better wine. Whereas when I first started scoring, you know, I was pretty willy nilly with the four and a halves. I gave out a few more fives. Uh, I gave out more four pluses, four and a half pluses, and and I just noticed that. But to your point about the uh, point system being broken. And you say it starts at 85. I would argue today that the point system seems to be starting at 90. I would agree with that. I think there's, uh, I think there are a lot of writers that you're seeing a lot of really high scores between 90 and 100. And it does raise your eyebrow as to whether or not you're doing a service to the uh, consumer when you're scoring a wine high. And, I mean, I'm really fortunate to have had the opportunity to be a judge on the Ontario Wine Awards, to work and taste with Tony and to taste with you. And, and I'll be honest, you've, 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 you've put my feet to the flames a few times. It's just like, you really think that wine deserves that score? And you've questioned me whether or not. And I, I'm, I've been pretty good at being able to stand by my scores. Um, but I always have in the back of my mind, and I'm lucky to have been mentored along by quite a, quite a, quite a few other writers in, in the city, um, to not score a wine high for the, the sake of scoring it, even if it's something that I really love, to be a little bit ob- objective in being able to compare it to wines from a similar vintage, region, varietal. I mean, there's all sorts of... There, there is a way to objectively score a wine in terms of how it's made. And and I guess what I think bothers me when I when I look at some of these scores, and I know that, that you know, you, you primarily, although you are starting to branch out, are primarily Ontario. Based. Would you would you still agree with that yes. that statement? Yes. So when you score a wine, say four and a half or or five stars, you are mostly comparing Ontario. I know you taste wines from around the world, but your your general scoring comes from Ontario. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. So 
Uh, but then I look at other scores from some other writers, and I'm looking at them. I know they taste wines from all over the world, and they give something, let's say, a 95 or a 96. And I tasted a wine, and and I know you've tasted the same wine, and we've gone, really, like you would compare that wine to a great champagne. I'm talking about a sparkling wine that we saw that somebody gave a 95 to, and we're like, you would give that a 95 and let's say you would give uh, uh, a Piper Heitzig a, a 93. And you're thinking that that wine is better than... Like, you've got to put it on a global scale. I, I mean, that's are... it. I mean, if, if anything, like the advice that I've been given uh, with, with terms of scoring and the reason I rack my brain about it, I've been really fortunate in that with the travel that I've been able to do. Um, I mean, this is a testament to the quality of the wines of, of Ontario, is I feel that our scores have been able to hold up. But that being said as well, the more I travel, the more I taste, the more I realize that it's not fair to necessarily compare Ontario with other regions. But that being said, I know that... I, I, and I'm going to be serious right now, like when I pick something like Chardonnay, just, just to put all the teasing aside, when we say something like Chardonnay, Chardonnay is a really great varietal to, to do this to because I know for a fact that when I score a wine four and a half stars, I drink Chardonnay from all over the world in all sorts of price ranges from one of my favorites from last year, a $65 bottle of, of Paul Hobbs California Chardonnay. But I know that at a third the price, Kevin Panagapka's Beamsville Chardonnay uh, 2027 Cellars Foxcroft block at $23 can hold up to a wine like that. And I looked at my scores, it's it's reflective in that. I didn't, I didn't score the 2027 five stars and the Paul Hobbs four stars and have things be right out of kilter. So I guess I guess the next question is: Do you take do you take price into account? I try not to take price into account. I think you have to. I think it's a hard thing not to do. But I, I, I think I, I have to factor in price, and, and and I mean part of it is is with a lifestyle for me, and part of it is with the people who are reading my website and for the outlets that I write for. Um, I don't mind spending a few bucks more for wine. I don't mind spending twenty five dollars for a bottle of wine for a Friday night. I don't mind asking my friends to bring a $25 bottle of wine to my house if I'm serving a nice meal and we're getting together for a fart, for a party. I almost said farty. <laughs> Everybody has a farty every so often. But... Do you have to go to the bathroom, Andre? Should we pause this one? When it comes to wine, to me, the greatest disappointment is opening a bottle and not having it corked. The greatest disappointment is opening a bottle of wine and feeling ripped off. I think anybody would, and uh, you know, uh, we've done tastings where things are corked, things old wines have been corked, um, and, and those those podcasts are, are coming up. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think the, the the biggest one is the ripoff, and I think the nice part about what we, we get to do is we get to taste a lot of these wines. So the wines that that we personally buy, we don't feel ripped off. No. Uh, because we get to taste them, and then we pass that knowledge on to people. And when we and when we do that, we we try to be as objective as humanly possible to tell people that this this is. And as I said, my scores well, have come down through and, the years because I've tasted a lot more wines from around the world. And I have to be more objective when when I look at Ontario, when I look at Australia, when you look at Italy. You know, a lot of wines fall for me into that three and a half, three and a half plus category. They're good wines, not average. They're good. They're very good. But, you know, the exceptional and the excellent wines are few and far between. And to see scores that, that I look at a score of, say, 
93 to 95. And I'm thinking, that's a really good score. Yeah. And then I taste that wine and I go, this is not a really good wine. This is a, a good wine to a very good wine, but not a great wine. And some people out there, I think they are just bastardizing themselves to get into publications, magazines, stickers on wine bottles in wine stores just so they can get their name out there. And I think that's a crying shame. I, I do think it's a crying shame. I, I, I think that there is there is a huge problem with a certain amount of integrity in, in writing about wine because, let's be honest, it's, it's very competitive. And you know what? I think we can come out and say that on, on this podcast because this is our own platform. We pay for this with... Uh, our, our own money and the little bit of sponsorship money that we've made, but we're we're doing this as a, a service because we believe in um, the local industry that we're supporting for one, but also just making sure that we're connecting people to to great wines. And I think that's I think that's important. And I think you know people out there listening to us, obviously you you follow Andre, you follow myself, you follow one or the other, or you follow us both, which is we really appreciate that. Um, and we try to do the best we can to show you the wines we think you're going to like. And I'm not saying that you have to follow us. Maybe you're just listening to us for a lark and going, what do these guys know? And you're going to go off and, and 100%. Well, you know, talk let, let, or, or listen to somebody else. And you should find somebody whose palate matches your own. Let, let, let me maybe go into a little bit of a, a manifesto mode. We've had a lot of really great winemakers join us. We've had winemakers join us from uh, around the world. And... Uh, we have been approached by people that have winemakers on the podcast, but no one has ever paid to be a part of the podcast. No. We, no. we choose, we curate our content, and we're pretty open-minded with anyone who wants to bring their wines for us to taste, but we are not taking money to taste the wines and to talk about them. And I don't think we've ever uh, once had a winemaker on that, one, we didn't like their wines to begin with, so we knew their wines. Yep. Um, so it's not like we're going to get somebody on just to get a lot of uh, of uh, publicity or something, and then lie to you about the wines that we don't like. Does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense. I, I know this is sort of like a. I don't know. I think I think it's just you and I both are a little frustrated because we both take this very seriously, and it feels like there's some people who maybe aren't. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think there are some people who are are really. For lack of a better term, whoring themselves out to get to get in into publications, and I and I and I find it really hard to stomach seeing those scores that I know are consistently, uh, you know, well above ninety and well above where they should be, just to make a name for yourself. And I think that sooner or later comes back to bite you in the ass because people will stop following. And thinking that you, that that your writing is honest with integrity, because they go, you know what, that person gave that wine a ninety six or a ninety five, and you know, I, I I hate to think that people think there's something wrong with them, when it's actually something wrong with the writer. You know what, I I won't name the writer, but one example that that really sticks out that I really want to call out because it really bothered me was a ninety four point score given to the Nova Seven from Benjamin Bridge. And don't get me wrong, the Nova 7 from Benjamin Bridge is a beautiful wine. It's great every vintage. 
for what it is. It's delightful. It's like a like a Moscato from Nova Scotia. It's 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 designed to go with seafood. It's designed to go with like it's it, it really speaks to the great winemaking happening at Benjamin Bridge and, in, and in Nova Scotia. Hundred percent. That being said, the Benjamin Bridge Brut also came out in vintages uh, shortly after that, and that is an exceptional bottle of Canadian wine. So for that writer to give the Nova Seven a ninety four. What does that make the Benjamin Bridge Brew? A 102? 103? It's just a matter of time, I think, before we actually find writers who are going above 100. And I'm going to leave it at that. So uh, I'm going to say it, it's it's a matter of time before somebody is going to break the 100-point scale and move it up to 101, 102. You'll see it. I, so, I, don't, think, I don't think we're far off. So just a reminder, two guys talking wine, not for sale. Not for sale. Unless but, you want to sponsor this podcast... <laughs> we'll always take sponsors. Uh, but what is for sale are tickets to Two Guys Talking Live. We hope to see you there. Henry of Pelham, October 21st. I'm Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWineReview.com. I'm Andre Pru from AndreWineReview.ca. Definitely go to HenryPelham.com. Check out those tickets. We would really love to see you. Ask your own questions. Uh, bring your rotten fruit to throw up, Michael. Oh, boy. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Uh, we're on SoundCloud. That's where you can find us. Uh, tell your friends, lovers, family members. Oh, Hopefully they're not the same up. thing. Good night. Oh, yeah. Good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes. <laughs>